you know, keep in mind, this is the first time this person has been introduced to your business. You know, another one of the things I like to say a lot is you don't get a second chance for the person present. So, yeah, definitely I'm scouring the board and I'm seeing what's going on. And I'm definitely going to try to get one of my better people out there. I'm definitely not going to send a steady edit to a first-time customer. It's, it's just not going to happen. I don't, not saying that I don't trust that individual to go in there and maximize that opportunity. Me knowing that, I already know you're just going to go in there and take care of that garbage disposal. You're not going to look at anything else. You're going to get your money and you're going to leave. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you on this new Monday morning. And we got a great topic for you, dispatching and more with our special guest, Kevin Oliver, joining us today in your passenger seat. And we're going to be breaking down not only what a dispatcher can do from his side of the table, but how it impacts and affects you in the truck. Really excited to have that conversation today, Brian. But first, let's start off with that quote. A coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear, who has you see what you don't want to see, so you can be who you have always known you could be, Tom Landry. Oh. Why are we talking coach? Coach. <clears throat> because Kevin Oliver, um, as as a he was my first I say my first dispatcher in like a um like professional selling tech role um at Yes Plumbing in in uh I don't know, the early to mid 2000s, 2004, 2005, something like that. But he, he, uh, unlike a lot of dispatchers I had before him, he called himself and considered himself the coach, like the team's coach. And he would, you know, he would be the first to congratulate us if we turned something. He would, but he would also be, you know, if you ran too many calls and you had clients calling in upset or you just weren't making anything happen, he would also be the first person you would hear from to tell you, you know, you got to step it up or, Hey, what's wrong. He would, he would have long conversations with guys. He was, uh, he, he is what I would consider a, a team coach in a dispatch role. He was also somebody who was very heavy on, um, knowing everything that was happening on that, on that board that day. So you could bump into him in the hallway and say, I don't know if you saw it, but I scheduled for my you know, two, two to six call today. Uh, I called in yesterday, and, and he's like, yeah, 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 uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the water heater. Yep, why, what's up? Like, he just knew every aspect of that board. It was almost like he was obsessed with that schedule. So it was very easy to be dispatched by him because it'd be real hard to surprise him throughout the day. He was dispatching for profit. He knew who was strong where and who was weak where, and he was always ready to have a a pep talk with the tech. And that, you know, technicians know that can go a long way because you just kind of feel like you're out there on an island sometimes. And just knowing that somebody's at the control tower or 
you know, there's somebody just there seeing everything and knows what you're going through for the day. Man, he made a, he could make a really hard day a lot easier to deal with. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that, Brian. And I love the concept of a coach and how you brought that up in the quote there, because that's really what we're talking about here. <clears throat> now, you and I, Brian, had the opportunity to do some fly fishing back in May up in uh, the northern part of Maine. We did a great trip up there. Libby Camps. Libby Camps. Shout out to those guys up yeah, there. Yeah, Matt Appreciate Libby, let me, he let me fly his uh, float plane. I wouldn't awesome. call it flying as much as I would controlled crashing, but yeah. yes. We did not crash, so controlled falling was more like <laughs> there it. There you and go. One Aaron Buckwalter, who works with us here, was actually got sick from me uh, from me flying that plane, as he, as he reported in a high-pitched voice when we landed <laughs> his normal high tone. He, uh, he said that I, I was going a little crazy on the uh, controls, but as I answered, I if I'm going to fly something, which I've never done before, I'm going to know I flew. I, not, <laughs> I didn't want to just keep it straight. You know, I wanted to see what that thing could do. So Absolutely, great yes. So anyways, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I, I've never personally been fly fishing before, ever. Have you? No, that was the first time. First time, all right. So <clears throat> we had the privilege of not only getting to go fly fishing in Maine, which is privilege enough, but of having personal coaches and guides along the way who literally talked us through not only how to do the casting, but where to put the lure, what part of the river we should be in, those types of things. And let me tell you, if Brian and I just decided to pack up our stuff and go out to a local creek around here some Saturday and do some fly fishing that we've never done before, the likelihood of us catching any fish, well, first of all, the likelihood of Brian actually lifting up a fishing pole instead of his phone was going to be pretty much zero. But True if, story. if he had actually put the phone down and we were trying to do fly fishing, I, I can't imagine anything good would have came of it. There's just so much to the technique. There's so much to uh, the skill of the presentation of the lure and all these things. And we had the privilege of a coach walking us through those intricacies, knowing all the knowledge, knowing all the the tactics and the styles, knowing the lay of the land. And the benefit of that was that Brian and I, as first timers who had never done this before, were privileged enough to actually catch some fish. That goal that we realized, the potential that we realized, was created large in part because of the coach that was with us. And that is the same concept as the power of a dispatcher, somebody who's really in it to be watching out for you as the fisherman, as the technician, plumber, electrician in the field, in an area that perhaps you're not as well versed in, or if you're already good as some of our compatriots were that came along with us, they were able to help you maximize the opportunities that you were already ready to capitalize on. That type of coaching is a beautiful illustration of what a dispatcher can be for the people in the field. Not only bringing you up and, 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 and talking with you about slight corrections or, or opportunities, but encourage you along the way. Because let me tell you, there was some uh, lengthy periods of time where there was no fish to be seen on the end of my line. And to have somebody just kind of saying, oh, it's all right, it's all right man. Yeah, you know, it happens. Like, we'll go up the river, we'll, we'll find a new spot, we'll get some new fish. That type of encouragement was refreshing and needed for not only fishing, but in the field. Yeah, and that was that, that would be Kevin as a dispatcher because you could always call in and say, oh, got my butt kicked on that last one again. And I, I can actually hear it in his voice. Oh, man, you're all right, man. You get this next one. <laughs> That's what he would say. I was, uh, when I was there for, 
I don't know, probably five years in a truck. Um, but he had more impact on me than any dispatcher I had before or after. <clears throat> he was, uh, he left a, a great deal of impact on me and really taught me the way that a dispatcher should conduct himself or herself. The ironic part of it is, Brian, that the dispatch was probably the guy that you actually saw least in the company, right? He wasn't up front training. He, he wasn't riding along with you on in the truck or anything like that. Your relationship with him was primarily over the phone. And at that time, there wasn't even text messages. Nope. So it was all phone call. Strictly phone call. And the impact, even in that small amount of actual interaction, even in that in that limited resource of just being phones instead of face-to-face was still great. Now we live in a world where text message, FaceTime, you know, phone calls, all those things are reality. And so the impact that our dispatchers can have in the field is, is all the more. And I, I am really excited to have the conversation today with Kevin to talk to him about what that looks like and not only from his chair, but the ability for techs in the field to receive that and respond. Right. It does make communication much more simple, um, although there, there could be maybe an overload of communication. I hope that's not the case where you're just getting too much information at you all day, every day. Emails and texts from the office and texts from people at home where normally most and of the Brian time. Brian sending out memes nonstop. Yeah, GIFs and memes nonstop. That's me. We're normally, at least most of the time I was in a truck, if somebody wanted to reach you, it had to be a phone call. And if it wasn't somebody you felt like you need to talk to at that moment, you just sent that to voicemail. Now you get a text, you just, you just see it. That's my strategy at pretty much all times. What's that? Send a voicemail. Right. Yes, I noticed. That's why I text you memes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to bring Kevin on here in a second, but before we do... I wanted to do something um, a little uh, impromptu here that we don't normally do, but we received a uh, a review, and we don't normally read them on air, but I, I particularly like this review. Um, it's from Seasick Panda. Which, uh, we'll have to talk about that one off air. I love the name. <laughs> I got a couple questions. We'd love to yeah. have you on the podcast. I'm picturing a panda <laughs> stuck on like a little chunk of ice, and it's just rocking like crazy, and it's getting green, right? Ice? It's a little drama mean or something. Where did that come from? Pan- oh, oh, I'm thinking polar bear. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so much no. Yeah. All right, go back to Asia then. It's panda, not a polar bear. <laughs> Seasick Panda said, I am a plumber with the company that creates this podcast, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing. This uh, podcast isn't actually created by the company. It's just created by me and Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the other brands might help out sometimes too. (laughs) My man. I am located in Indianapolis. I've enjoyed the interviews, both from the on the ground technicians all the way to the top, as well as Tim Kennedy, because it's Tim Kennedy, right? We get you there, buddy. You should try Jocko next. Uh, We have, (laughs) and we will continue. (laughs) Ryan reaches out to Jocko weekly. He is yet to answer an email. Um, I hope that no matter the form these brands take in the future, since the only constant is change, this is something that contin- can sorry, this is something that can continue for a long time. I do wish this podcast was better advertised within our company. I work for a corporate location and our team and I only know it exists because I stumbled across it on LinkedIn by accident. 
I feel like a company-wide email would go a long way and pushing it to other companies could only encourage the industry at large to improve. You got Tim Kennedy, so the sky's the limit. <laughs> I love that he has the same uh, excitement for the Tim Kennedy episode as I, as I do. <laughs> Brian's now on his 37th uh, listen to the Tim Kennedy episode, just yeah, in we, case you're wondering. We told Tim it was a two-hour interview, and I just sat and talked with him for an hour and a half. <laughs> As far as recommendations for guests, I already mentioned Jocko Willink, and we have many outstanding technicians and single brand leaders in Indianapolis, as well as a full-time trainer over all three brands that I am biased in favor of since he's my dad. You've had a lot of top-heavy interviews recently, so dropping down to the individual level of people working to make changes in the industry on the ground floor seems like a cool idea. And it was really that last <clears throat> sentence was the reason I wanted to read this pod or uh, this review of the podcast on air because I, I respect the fact that he really enjoys the show, but also, um, you know, he's, he gave a five-star review, which we really appreciate. And that is what makes the, the show grow, but he gave, he gave advice, um, as a technician, as our target audience, which is a field service tech. And that advice will make us um, change the way we're doing it. Like Nate's been saying for a while, we've, we've had too many, you know, like higher level guests on. We need, we need um, to sprinkle some texts in there. And, and I agreed and we, we have some coming up, uh, but it's that kind of, it's that kind of advice given in these reviews that'll make us change course a little bit. So we really, really appreciate it. We don't talk about very often how impactful these reviews are to the show, but having iTunes reviews, um, having lots of five-star iTunes reviews puts the show higher and higher on the lists and gets more people to lay eyes on it. So writing reviews on iTunes, sharing the podcast, downloading the episodes, these, these are what makes us grow. So seasick Panda, get a hold of me, Brian Burton on Facebook. Um, You'll see Waste No Day in my title. Shoot me a private message, and I will, uh, I'll get a hold of you, and we'll set up your dad to come on the podcast, buddy. Yeah. I hope you're feeling better, too, at some point, seasick pen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's just on, like, a bamboo, just rocking back and forth. He thinks he's at sea. Well, hey, man, if, if you're like uh, Seasick Panda and you're looking for some on-the-ground advice, then this podcast is going to be for you. Kevin Oliver is super real, and he is ready to bring the heat. So we're going to put him in your passenger seat right now. Our guest today is none other than Kevin Oliver. He's originally from New Orleans. I guess they call that Nolens, And headed out west with his Southern values intact, looking for a new beginning. He actually majored in accounting while at the University of New Orleans, and it was a part-time customer service job his sophomore year that entered him into the world of sales. He's always been a people person and has one of those take-over-the-room type personalities. After several sales-type environments, he found himself in the world of HVAC and plumbing. In the last 15 years, he's been with his current HVAC and plumbing company and has flourished in roles uh, varying in position. He was able to apply his people and leadership skills to vault himself not only from being a customer service representative to, in about eight months, being the lead dispatcher, having no previous HVAC or plumbing knowledge. He then in turn, after a few years of changing the landscape and improving how dispatching and technicians interact, 
was promoted to current position that he holds right now, which is customer service manager. This position allows him to get even more entrenched in the overall aspect and growth of business. Welcome to the show, Mr. Kevin Oliver. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on, buddy. It's uh, It's been too long since we've chatted, but far too long, definitely, since we've hung out. And uh, we got to make it happen again sometime soon. Yeah, definitely, man. If you ever, you know, get back in these parts, you know, we'll figure it out. You know, we spend a lot of time conversating in between calls, so I'm, I'm pretty sure we have a whole lot of memory lane stuff to go down. Bro, every time we've ever hung out, it's been in your city. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's why we met, man. Like, right? Yeah. All right, this time you got to come to Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, well, we, can, we can work that out. You know, I, I haven't been back east in a long time, so, yeah, you know, we can figure that out. Cool. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Hey, Kevin, we always like to learn a little bit about our guests and exactly what got you into the trades and the career that you've been through and then kind of what you're doing now. So uh, catch us up to speed. Start us where where, and how you jumped into the whole thing called the home services industry. And then how did you get to where you are now? Um, well, I'll start off by saying I've always been a people person, a very outgoing, takeover the room type of personality person. So that's always been my background. Um, when I got into the customer service department of the air conditioning and plumbing industry, I realized it was a whole world that I knew nothing about. And I just gravitated towards, I, you know, I definitely like speaking with people and helping people. And that was one of the things that, you know, got me to stay interested in it. Obviously, the relationship with the technicians and things of that nature. And I started as a customer service rep and eventually, you know, turned that into being a customer service dispatcher representative eventually turned that into being over all the dispatchers and now i presently hold the customer service position which is over the customer service department but as well i do other things and upper corporate structures as well as having customer service conference calls with other customer service managers and other reasons apparently i do a good job from what i hear i'm not trying to bag that's just what other people have told me i'm one of those people (laughs) (laughs) definitely i'll i'll interject there and say that um, I'm, I wasn't new to plumbing when I got to, uh, your company that you're still at. Yes. Yes. Plumbing in Las Vegas. Um, but I was, I was very foreign to anything to do with selling. I, I despised the idea. I thought it, I, you know, I just thought it was one of these things you had to, you had to crumble up your, uh, principles and throw them out the window to, to even think to do and getting there and, and dealing with the people who were there at the time, um, that, that all changed for me. And, but that didn't make it easy, obviously. And I've always said that having Kevin as my dispatcher made it as easy from, at least from a dispatching perspective as it could possibly be for me to make that transition. Um, one, because you had a background in sales, so you knew what, what we went through and what we were struggling with, but two, because we became, we became friends pretty much immediately. And, um, I allowed you to speak into my career, into my life, to tell me when I was screwing up to, um, you know, I wasn't, I never got defensive with you, at least that I can remember. I always knew you had what my best interest is my best interests at heart and the company's best interests. Like you were about taking care of the technicians, but also about, you know, you have numbers to hit and goals to reach and you blended all of that perfectly in a way that I never felt like you were having me do something because it made your life easier. It was always about, I would say the team first, me second and 
yourself third, which is, you know, it's a pretty rare thing to come across in somebody in a in an authority position. Man, man, I appreciate that. I mean, I was feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling great now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the approach I, I tried to take. I'm to be honest with you, Brian. I, I try to look at it from you know. I try to make parallels and comparisons, and best thing I could do as far as dispatching. When I used to tell my dispatchers, dispatcher that I have now is like, you, you want to look at it. This is for example. A great example would be quarterback of the team. Okay, let's say let's say you're Tom Brady, for example. All right, now everybody knows who's on the Buccaneers right now. They got a lot of good players, right? There's only one football. Well, at some point in time, Tom Brady's going to have to do his best to get that ball to a lot of individuals on that team without getting other individuals upset. And as the leader of that team, he has to figure it out. So I used to try to incorporate that when I'm dispatching. Like, okay, I got a lot of guys on this team. I may have X amount of calls. I got to make sure that everybody gets fed the best that I can do, you know, you know, try to keep it spread out as best as possible. I'm not going to try to show any favoritism, but at the end of the day, it's all about the team winning. Because if the team doesn't win, then nothing else matters. I can come in and have a great day. Okay. And once again, if the team doesn't win, none of that's going to matter. And that's how I like to look at it every day in life. And that's what I tell my staff too. It's like, if the team doesn't win, None of this other stuff doesn't matter. Your accolades doesn't matter if the team doesn't win. You can have the best sales margin across the company. If the overall company doesn't succeed, where does that put you? Out of nowhere. <laughs> exactly. Now you got to take those great sales records that you're breaking and try to find a job somewhere else because the team, the company, didn't win. And that's what I always try to tell people. You know, some of it sticks, some of it doesn't. But that, that's the philosophy I preach, and that's what I try to live by. Uh, yeah, I love that, man. That's a, that's a great uh, way of approaching it. And that really speaks to probably how your success in dispatching has been uh, so affluent. You know, you've been able to not only rise to the ranks individually, but you've also seen plumbers and HVC techs and, and the people on the team also rise with you. That's true. Definitely. I've seen, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we're here for, right? I mean, I mean, I guess some people are here for me to accuracy, but that 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 doesn't make any sense to me. Life is all about evolution, right? So why are you going to go anywhere to be stagnant? It just I, I don't understand that concept, and I'm not putting anybody down that feels that way. But I always look at things like, okay, how can I do more? It goes back to that saying that a lot of people hear: if you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably not in the right room. And I feel the same way about that. <laughs> if I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm probably not in the right room. But there's always more that you can learn. And as far as people having the, let's say, the reserve nature, as far as trying to get someone involved in something, I generally don't like to use the word selling because I know how that can project a bad type of face expression from someone. So I always like to use the word involved. Get the client involved in whatever it is that you guys are having a discussion. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, people want to be sold on things. All right? It's just all about your approach. It goes back to that one simple thing. It ain't what you say. It's how you say it. And I believe that wholeheartedly. That's absolutely right. And uh, the, the nice thing about that is Brian never has to wonder if he's in the right room. We constantly try to involve him and help him understand <laughs> that it's okay. Buddy. <laughs> I'm the guy with the crayons. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you, you may have listened to our Tom Hopkins episode. Kev, did you check out the Tom Hopkins episode? Yeah, I did listen to that. But now, a oh, lot nice. of the things that nice. you were saying in there were, were very true. You know, it's all about your approach and things of that nature and making somebody feel comfortable. 
that's what I used to always tell the technicians when I was dispatching. Like, look, first thing first is you don't get a second chance at the first impression. So before you go in the house, you want to make sure you're ready to go, whether it be your clothes, your shirt, uh, your tucked in, things of that need, your presentation. Once again, you don't get a second chance at the first impression. If you go in there and bomb it, you can't get back in the truck and be like, hey, send me back in. No, you bombed it. You, I got to send you somewhere else to send somebody else or maybe send you home, depending on how bad you was doing. So once again, you don't get a second chance at a first impression. I'll tell you for, for the companies listening, specifically managers, owners, other dispatchers that don't, <clears throat> excuse me, that don't have um, somebody like Kevin dispatching, which I know that's not what you're doing now, but when you were doing it, what he just said, he absolutely meant, which was, I may have to send you home. If you came into the shop and looked like crap, Kevin, even his buddies, he would look at you and go, I'm going to do my, my horrible uh, Kevin Oliver impression here. But come on, man, you can't go to the customer's house looking like that. <laughs> you're not, he just stay. You're not planning on going to your next call like that. You Obviously, you got to change your shirt in the truck, right? Like this is your dispatcher. And if you don't have a dispatcher who feels he has the he or she has the authority to speak to technicians like that, not he wasn't being a, a jerk about it. He wasn't belittling anybody. He was just he would be very frank to say that's not that's not the way we go to our customers' homes. So make sure you have a clean shirt to put on. And if you didn't, he would send you home first. No no question about it. So our dispatchers need to feel like they have the authority to see someone in the hallway and say hey, man, you got to get that shirt changed before, you, you know, you got to get the, the razor out and trim that up before you get over there or, you know, can't your toes can't be sticking out of your boots. Now, Kevin, I'm wow. actually, I'm curious about that because did that level of ownership, did that just come to you naturally and you were allowed to uh, carry it out? Or was that something that was kind of bestowed upon you and authority granted saying this is what we need you to be? Well, to be honest, um, I have to say, I guess it had something to do with what management seen in me, and they pulled me aside and was pretty much, look, I've the utmost confidence in you to make the right decision or the wrong decision, be it or whatever it may be. I'm confident in you to make that decision. I've sit here and watched you, you know, make moves like the chess pieces on the chessboard, and I'm okay with going on vacation right now and knowing that you're going to handle that. And once, you know, that person gave me that confidence, I was just like, okay, I'm going to do what I know I'm capable of doing. A lot of times, that's what's holding a lot of people back. Somebody just giving them that extra nudge to validate what they are already thinking. And once he validated that, I, I just took over and basically I started treating people like I would want somebody to treat me. Like, okay, at the end of the day, you're going into home. Okay, so you want to figure maybe 80, 75 percent of everything that's going on is presentation, right? So, okay, the first thing they see when they walk in your house is a dirty shirt. Well, I'm sorry if anybody's like me. I'm probably a little turned off by that. So, you know, I'm thinking about things like that, especially when I was trying to motivate people to sell things and that nature of people who had never sold anything before, or like I say, or like to use the word, get a client involved. I would use simple analogies like, you know, you've been out before, right? Okay. At some point in time, you had a conversation with the opposite sex, right? Right. Okay. Before you walked across the room or wherever it was, when you approached that person, there was no way for you to know that that conversation was going to go well, was it? And they would be like, nope. I'm like, but you did it, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Okay, so what's the difference? Hmm. You don't know if you're going to get this sell or not, but you're going to go in there with the mindset, you know what? I'm going to get it. If you go in there with the mindset that it's probably not going to go your way, guess what? More than likely, it's not going to go your way. 
And if it doesn't go your way, okay, no big deal. We've heard no before, right? I mean, you're an adult. At some point in time, i got to believe you've heard no several times before you reach adulthood. So there's no way you can let a no deter you. That's just how I look at it. And that's what I tell people. Uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, just that that mindset. We've talked about that before on our podcast, where if you walk into a situation and you're already assuming it's going to be negative, I mean, the the percentage of that going negative is just going to be so much higher because you're just looking for it. You're trying to find it. You're trying to validate your own feelings of negativity saying like, yep, I knew, I knew it. I knew it was going to be bad when I showed up. I, I knew it was going to be bad as soon as I knocked on the door. And then guess what happens? That happens because you were looking for it. But if you reset that every single call and you recalibrate your mind and you start talking and thinking of the ways that like, no, this is going to be good. This is going to be fantastic. It's not like this magical saying or anything that that's going to turn things into rainbows, but just that mind shift makes such a better approach to the client. They're more receptive to things because they're not getting that vibe from you that you're just looking for something to go wrong. And there's so much to that that is in the subtleness of our interactions as humans. It's, it's so easy to overlook. Yeah. We don't, we don't know what we look like to the client when we, drive up and as we used to call it prejudge the call based on the house based on the car that's mm-hmm. in the driveway we, <laughs> yeah I remember those days. <laughs> yeah we, we immediately like <clears throat> have a sour look on our face like i already know this ain't happening so let me just get through this real quick that's written all over our faces it's literally written written all over our faces like you said have you ever talked to the you know a, a man or woman you were trying you were interested in um, I don't. I don't think Nate has because I'm pretty sure he's got an arranged marriage. But <laughs> well, before you got married, you had to have a conversation with him. You uh, saw that conversation. I, I'm pretty sure it was prearranged, so I don't think. He, well, I mean, does the conversation count? Flipping through the magazine and picking out. <laughs> you, had to, kidding. you had to pull the trigger, Nate. You still had to pull the trigger. I sure did. Sure did. <laughs> Nothing happens if you don't pull that trigger. Goes always back to that. Nothing happens. If you don't make an attempt, you can think about anything or say anything you want. Nothing doesn't happen until you make an attempt. And, you know, I don't know if you remember this, Brian, but a lot of, you know, we used to say this around time. A lot of times, most of the problems that people have are 10 inch problems. And that's that space in between you. A lot of times you talk yourself out of things, whether you realize it or not. Sometimes it's just a human nature thing. And like you said, Nate, it's the mindset and you got to be able to control your mind to get out of that mindset because that's a technician. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. You're going to have good calls. You're going to have bad calls. You have to be able to take that bad call and compartmentalize it, push it to the side and be like, all right, let me reset and get ready for my next call. This call has nothing to do with what just happened on the previous one. Yeah. And we, we always knew it was a mindset problem because I could go to the, I could go to a call and not sell it and then find out a, a week later that, that they called in for something else and Mike Bissell sold everything I had recommended on the previous Oh, call. yeah, I would make it a point to tell you guys stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, of course you would. I would. Now, now you know where I get that from, Nate. It wasn't for a malicious reason. <laughs> you know, it was never for a malicious reason. It was never for to be, like, thrown in the face, like, hey, see, you went to this house, you didn't do nothing, Well, somebody else went there and they did X, Y, Z. It was more or less to remind them that, look, it, it's the mindset. The last conversation I had with you when you left that house was, just as in our customer, they, they don't want to get involved. X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. A couple of weeks later, same company goes out, different representation, different mindset, customer spends 
X amount of money. So once again, it's not about me waving my finger at that person saying, why you couldn't do it. It's more or less to remind them that, look, every situation is going to be different. It probably was a situation where you should have went left on this call, but you went right. Sometimes you got to think about that as opposed to always immediately fast forward into, oh, it's the customer. The customer sucks. They don't want that. It's not always that. Sometimes it's you. And as humans, we have a hard time saying it's us. It's just a human nature thing. It's not too often we'll look in the mirror and be like, yeah, I was wrong. I probably shouldn't have did that. It's just not. So, Kevin, I want to I want to dig into that a little bit from the dispatching side. Um, off air, when we were talking a little bit in the introduction, you were mentioning how, as a dispatcher, you ended up being a life coach and a marriage counselor and an encourager and a cheerleader and everything beyond under the sun. Um, oh yeah. Let's talk about that from the beginning of the day. So, in your role when you were doing dispatching. What was the primary objective for you at the beginning of the day to help the technicians start off in the right mindset? Well, it probably went off what happened the previous day. You know, those are one of the things I would look for as well because, you know, depending on the guy had a bad day on Tuesday and now it's Wednesday, I'm going to do my best not to try to give him all the good calls, but I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind. I look, this guy didn't have a good day on Tuesday, so today is Wednesday. I try to do my best to get him as many good calls as I possibly can. But once again, it's up to him to actually do something with those calls. And I'll actually physically have a conversation with that tech, you know, before we get started. I'll be like, look, okay, you know, I know you didn't have a, you know, a day that you would like to have yesterday, but today's a new day, just like anything else. You have to turn the page. You know, I'm going to do my best to help you have a better day today, but I need you to be able to be with me. I need you to be there because if you can't be there, then you know what's going to happen. It was never a secret. Like all the technicians knew that if they wasn't doing too good, that eventually I was going to send those calls elsewhere or depending on how bad they were doing, I probably would set them down for a minute. Once again, everybody understood that. I was, it was never a secret. I was very open in my communication with people, letting them know this is the scenario. This is what's going on. If you're not doing this, this is what it's going to turn into. So, you know, it never caught anybody off guard. Like I said, I always had a conversation with everybody. First thing in the morning, hey, what's going on? What's happening? This is what we got. It's going to be a great day, you know, kind of like a football coach, getting everybody motivated and pumped up. And this was after they had the morning meeting with the managers. Once again, I, I was just continuing that motivation to get them pumped and ready to go. Because once again, I come from the sales world and I know how hard it is to get pumped up every day to go out and get somebody involved in any type of process where there's going to be revenue taken from that person. It's not the easiest thing to do. Now, those conversations, were they happening face-to-face, over the phone, via text message? Uh, sometimes like? I would catch guys right out the meeting. If I didn't catch them right out the meeting, I'd call them on the phone. For the most part, I used to try to catch them right outside the meeting. Or sometimes I would just come in the meeting. Like, you know, we like the depart- like we had that rapport. Like, the way it was initially set up, dispatching was to be more so part of customer service. But I think I changed the game on that. And once again, I'm not trying to brag. I just... I just made it so where it was more parts of that department. Like, okay, I'm not a dispatcher. No, I'm the plumbing dispatcher. I'm concerned about what's going on in the plumbing department, not so much what's going on in customer service. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that type of um, adaptation to the department, I'm sure lended not only in your credit, your credibility, but also in the, the desire for, the people on the team to respect you and to listen to you and really kind of be feeding off of your energy. 
Yeah, you know, and, and like I said, it, it all started with a respect thing, though. You know, everybody respected everybody, and even the technicians respected my judgment. There's plenty of times they've called me up and asked me, hey, what's going on? What do we got? I, I trust you. You know, but that comes over time from building a rapport, and you got to get them to feel comfortable and understand that at the end of the day, you know, your best interest is what I'm here for. You know, your best interest is what I'm here for. Every individual, if I don't have favorites, the team, you know, the team victory is what I'm looking for. If you hot today, then yeah, I'm going to feed you. If you not, probably not so much, but I'm going to let you know about it. You know, I'm not one of those individuals that's always going to point out, hey, you didn't do anything today. You didn't do anything yesterday. No, I'm going to give you both. If you suck, I'm going to let you know. If you're having a good day, I'm going to let you know. There's never going to be too far to the right, never going to be too far to the left. So, Kevin, I'm curious, and I'm going to ask some questions here as far as uh, some real-world stuff. Every dispatcher knows it's pretty hard to remove yourself, your feelings from the actual situation, right? You do have those technicians that are kind of your buddies, and they're always uh, they're always like you know good to go and help you out. And then you have some technicians who are uh, a little less, uh, let's say, friendly, and uh, it might be easier to kind of look negatively about them. How did you balance that type of? real world scenario with that mindset of like, Hey, the team wins, the team wins. I can help with that. (laughs) (laughs) I can help with that. (laughs) If if you weren't, and I'm going to say a hitter and what I mean by hitter, believe me, when I started running calls, I was not a profitable technician. I just wanted it really bad. I was obsessed with getting good at it. Um, And like so many of the, the guys we had on the team at that time, those were the guys Kevin was friends with. The, <laughs> frankly, the, the ones who showed up and just wanted to, you know, get get an hourly rate and get out as, as get home as early as possible, and they didn't really care what they did that day, and you know they just wanted to stay out of uh, you know out of management's crosshairs and get home as early as possible and make as many stops between calls as possible and waste their day. Uh, Kevin had very little time for. Kevin's buddies were. I mean, he, he's competitive and he's driven, so he, he was the coolest with the other techs, you know, me, Brent Buckley, uh, you know, Joey Feliciano, the Mike, Mike Bissell, the guys who were, like, super driven and always wanted to go out and make the best of the day. Is that pretty accurate, Kev? I mean, that's, that's pretty accurate, but, you know, at the end of the day, you, you have to put the facade on, to, you know, make it seem like you've got a good relationship with everybody. But, yeah, if the people were really driven, yeah. I mean, I may associate with them outside the work. The people who showed up and did did bare minimum, yeah, we had a cordial working relationship. But, you know, that's as far as it went. And I understood that, you know, man, you know, as a manager, I tell people now because sometimes I have other managers and they get frustrated. We all want everybody to do their best. You know, no different than a parent wants the best for his kid. But we all know that that's not always going to happen. If you have three kids, you might have two kids that's going to go to college and shoot for the moon. You may have one that's just aloof. It, it, it happens. No different than being in management. If you got a staff of 15 people, you may have 10 that's going to be rock stars. You may have five that's just going to do just enough to keep their job. And that's okay. I mean, it is what it is. We would love to all 15 of them to be rock stars. But let's just be honest. We're in the real world that's just not how the real world exists. It's very rare that your whole team is going to be full of rock stars. It's just, it's just, it's just hard for that to happen. You have to understand that as a person. That's just life, you know? And you have to figure out a way to still get those people who want to show up and do just enough, 
to do just enough. I'm like, okay, as long as you do just enough to keep your job, that's great. If you don't want to do more, that's fine. But you still have to monitor those people because the ones that want to do just enough, it won't take long before they slip below that, you know, equator line and it's like, okay, what's going on? And you may have to find somebody else and go in another direction. So, but once again, it, it takes all form of life. You know, one of the things I like to tell my staff is, you know, it's billions of people on the planet. It takes all kinds to make up the universe. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So as far as keeping people motivated, whether they're, you're, you're shooting for the stars or you're just shooting to keep your head above water. I mean, did you look at that as the same approach? Was that, did you have to kind of uh, exhibit the same amount of energy for that? You know, uh, for example, if you had uh, Brian, who was really a, a great plumber, he was super driven. And, great plumber is probably a stretch. <laughs> okay. So he was a plumber <laughs> that was super driven. Um, you know, did you have to extend the same amount of energy into motivating him? Like when he was having a slump as you would, for example, me, if I tried to get into a plumbing truck and I was just trying to keep my head above water. Nah, the people who are about their money and were driven like Brian, it, it didn't take much. Most of the time you just tell them what was going on and told them the nature of the call. And you could hear the wheels already spinning in his head, like what he was planning on doing the calls. It was generally the latter, the people, you know, the steady eddies that I like to call them, those are the ones that you got to spend a lot of time with because, like I said, their whole mindset is, I just want to do just enough. And sometimes just enough is okay, but there are days where you need to do a little bit more. So those are the people that you probably spend more time coaching-wise as opposed to your go-getters. Your go-getters just want to know what you got. You know, you know, have your little normal usual conversation. Hey, this is what I got for you, man. I know this is going to be good. You killed it yesterday. I got another one for you. Because like I said, the moment you tell them, hey, I got this leaking faucet. This is the first time we went out there. He's thinking already, oh, leaking faucet? Now, he already knows the leaking faucet. But in his mind, he's thinking, first-time customer, I can go in there and get him involved in a whole lot of stuff. Whereas a steady Eddie is just like, oh, okay, I'll go in there and fix that faucet. And it's like, okay, Eddie, but there's other things you can go in there and look at. Remember, the key word is, this is our first time going to the home. It's very rare in the service department. So if you got a first time customer, you got to go in there and get the work, buddy. At least swing for it. So talk to me more about that, Kevin, as far as uh, the the value that your role placed upon first time clients. Like when you would see that first time client hit your board, did you like as a dispatcher? Did you spend time investigating the client? Were you very particular about who you sent there? What did that look like? I was. I didn't spend too much time investigating the client other than realizing, obviously, it's the first-time client. So, this, right. you know, keep in mind, this is the first time this person is being introduced to your business. You know, another one of the things I like to say a lot is you don't get a second chance for the first impression. So, yeah, definitely I'm scouring the board and I'm seeing what's going on. And I'm definitely going to try to get one of my better people out there. I'm definitely not going to send a steady Eddie to a first-time customer. It's, it's just not going to happen. Not by itself. I would definitely have to send him with a supervisor. I, I don't, not saying that I don't trust that individual to go in there and maximize that opportunity. Is that once again, this is steady Eddie. I know your mindset. So me knowing that, I already know you're just going to go in there and take care of that garbage disposal. You're not going to look at anything else. You're going to get your money. And you're going to leave. Now, one of my, you know, upper tier techs, like a Brian, he's going to go in there and replace that garbage disposal. And then he's going to veer that conversation over to somewhere else. Next thing you know, he might be calling me back 30 minutes saying, hey, block me out all day. I'm doing a filtration system. Steady Eddie's not going to think like that. And, and those are the things that your dispatchers have to keep that in mind. Like first-time customers are very valuable. Like I said, this is our first time touching this person's property. So we've never replaced their water filtration system. We've never replaced their water heater. 
just tons of things in there we've never looked at or touched, and we have to go in there and maximize it. Steady Eddies were also good for uh, Kevin calling me and saying, um, this is our second time out. The first time Steady Eddie taught, uh, checked the water <laughs> or uh, did a water test and found there to be, you know, high hardness and uh, a lot of chlorine. So <laughs> they were they were good for the alley-oop. <laughs> yeah, good for maintenance calls too. Okay. Uh, so I'm curious as far as when you were looking at their board and you would see a new customer, would that be like mm-hmm. the most valuable call on the board or would that kind of match up with some other opportunities depending on what you were looking at? Nah, I just want to, you know, just depending on what I was looking at, I didn't never look at it as, okay, that's the most important. I'm being totally honest with you, as a plumbing dispatcher, there's never been a scenario where I think any particular call was more important than the other. Now, depending on the nature of the call, you know, it may determine how quick I'm going to get out there, but I never looked at it as, okay, this is call, this is you know, we got 100 calls on the board, but this one right here, oh, this, this is the mother one right here. No, because as far as I'm concerned, every call is opportunity. You know, I come from the school of the adage, the train of thought is your goal is to get in the house. Once you get in the house, you sit the person down, make them feel comfortable, have a conversation. That conversation can go plenty of different directions. So it's not always about what the customer is calling in for as far as his or her nature of the problem. It's always about getting the customer booked so the technician can get in the house, sit down with the customer, and they can have a conversation. Now, speaking of those conversations, I'm sure you're having conversations with the technicians throughout the day. You said before that some of your job was to be that coach, that uh, that encourager. What did that? What does that look like throughout the day? We talked about the beginning of the day where you're, you're pumping them up, you're getting them going. But then they walk out into the real world, you know, and, and they get leveled by a client and all of a sudden things are kind of going downhill. What did that during the day type of communication look like for you? I mean, it's going to happen. Like I said, you, you know, it's going to happen. Michael Jordan one of the best basketball players in the world. But he missed shots, right? All right? It's going to happen. But you, as a, as a person, have to remind that individual like late. You are that dude. You know, okay, you went, man, you swung, you missed. Okay, it happens. You don't think you're confident enough to go into the next house? I know you are. Dude, yesterday you just killed it. You just had one bad visit. you got to let it roll off like sweat and refocus and go into this next house. Because I'm telling you, this next house is going to be the one. You know, do you feel it? Once again, you got to lift them up and remind them sometimes of who they are. Like, look, yeah, all right, I know it's been a struggle. Once again, you're still that dude. You're still that guy that did X amount of money in sales, let's say, two weeks ago, or whatever it may be. Sometimes they just need that extra bit of encouragement. And a lot of times, like I said, that is going to be your role because after, you know, the morning meeting, management's all doing paperwork. Sometimes they're on conference calls. A lot of times they don't have the free time to sit there and have those conversations throughout the day with the technicians because they're doing other stuff, whether it be having conversations, like I said, with other managers, whether it be having conversations with corporate or just doing paperwork. So that extension is going to fall in the hands of the dispatcher. And if management is very comfortable with you, they're going to allow you to make those decisions. And that's when you're going to know whether you've arrived or not as being a good dispatcher or not. If management's able to put those decisions in your hands, you know you've made it. If they haven't, then you haven't made it yet. So, Kevin, looking at it from a different perspective, you said that you had made kind of uh, more of an alliance with the actual operations, uh, the, the service team themselves, uh, and less in the customer service world. How did dispatch and customer service work together, though? Because obviously you were still getting your calls and information from them. So 
you know, it's not like you could separate yourself so much. How did that work? And, and obviously now that you're overseeing the entire customer service teams, uh, how do you see the two roles integrating together? Well, I kind of, once again, changed the process when I got here and the way things worked. Um, it got to a point where what I started doing as far as dispatching is that I kept in constant communication with customer service or the customer service manager by letting him or her know what I need. You know, I'm not sure how other companies plan these schedules, but I even brought it to once I became the actual customer service manager, like I plan ahead. I don't believe in coming in and looking at the board and saying, oh, you know, I need 20 calls, get me 20 calls. They're like, okay, we, we live in a world where, I mean, all the stars would have to align for you to have that situation every day work in your face. So I always plan ahead. So like, for example, to be totally honest with you, right now, as soon as you can probably schedule a maintenance appointment on my plumbing schedule is probably three weeks out right now. Like I still have room for incoming calls as far as anybody I'd be challenged. But the way I do it is I always have my board filled up. Let's say 50% of the board is always filled up with maintenance calls. Right. That avoids me having days where the, you know, the board is empty and I have to scramble and figure out what I need. So I always send them a, I would guess the best way to say is I send them a forecast. Kind of like what the weather is going to look like. So it's like, okay, for the next four days, this is how many calls I need. And we'll get that accomplished ahead of time as opposed to trying to do it on a daily basis and have everybody scrambling all over the place. And it's been working great ever since I started doing it. Yeah, I love that approach and that, that really unifies uh, both teams pulling in the same direction because nothing's more frustrating than an under, undersupplied board or an oversupplied board for that matter. Uh, that's true. Very true. You know, so it gets to the point and, you know, another one of your jobs is dispatch. So throughout the day, you're looking at the board. Okay, today, let's difference today is Wednesday. You know, you're dispatching, you're looking at Wednesday, but throughout the board, periodically, you're peeking at Thursday to see what's going on Thursday. Once again, it's chess, not checkers. You always got to be thinking the next day, the day after that, or even next week. And, and, and that's how I incorporated it. So as the day is going on, I'm peeking, I'm looking at Thursday, I'm looking at Friday. At Thursday, it gets to the point where I don't need any more calls. Okay, I'm letting the customer service manager know. Whoever in customer service gets over that, hey, I don't need any more calls for this day. I still need X amount of calls for Friday. Start working on Friday. Once again, we're still in Wednesday, though. I have them working on Friday. I'm always trying to stay in front. That way, we're never in a panicky situation where we come in and it's like, oh, we don't have enough calls. Well, that should never happen because somebody's looking at that constantly every day. Absolutely. Now, speaking of looking at things, uh, we talked a lot about uh, our, our interactions with the technician, but from a dispatching role, you still had to touch base with the actual clients themselves. What was the extent of that interaction and how did you try to make the best of that or innovate it into a new place? Um, when you actually just depend on the customer I was speaking to, sometimes it was, I'm not going to lie, it would be a generic conversation of just as Kevin calling from the air conditioning plumbing. And I was just calling to let you know that, you know, depending on the plumber's name is on the way to home to take care of your challenge. Or it could have been a scenario where someone answered the phone and it could have just been something they said and I recognized it and I segued the conversation to something else. Next thing you know, we're giggling and laughing and having a great time. And I'm like, all right, well, you know what? I don't want to hold you up. You know, Joe Blow is on the way. He's going to take care. He's going to make you a great date. You know, unfortunately, you had to deal with that leak, but I guarantee you before everything is done and said no, you'll be satisfied. You know, and I'm pretty sure you'll use it some other time in the future. So it just depends on how the conversation went and the tone of the customer on the phone. 
every situation is going to allow you to determine what you need to do. That's how I look at it. At least what I tell people. Now, would those interactions ever lead to additional information for the text that you were sending out? Like, would you be the investigator and kind of dig in a little bit? Or did you always stay hands off and say, hey, the, you know, the tech will take a look when he gets there? Uh, for the most part, the tech would, you know, was good there. But once again, that comes from having a pretty good customer service base trained to ask the correct questions and get the correct information. So once again, it goes into every department matters. If you have a really good customer service team that knows to ask the correct questions and get pertinent information, you as a dispatcher don't have to do that. Now, if they don't, then it's going to be an instance where you may have to. So every hand washes other. I trusted them to get the proper information to get the correct notes. Now, sometimes, obviously, mistakes happen. You know, I may come up on the phone. And depending on what it is, I may share it with the technician. If it's something small and minuscule, I may not. Like, you'd be surprised how many times I've withheld information from technicians and it served out to be a greater good than if I would have told them more information. It, it's, once again, it, it happens. You know, sometimes you can give a technician too much information. Some dispatchers don't believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. You can't. That is a fact. If if it's uh, if there's a leak in water heater on the schedule and I'm running that call and I have to drive an hour and 15 minutes from one call to the next, I would rather just see leaking water heater than say leaking water heater one year old. <laughs> I don't want to know until true. I get there because I'm geeking myself up to, you know, change a swap out a water heater and, you know, hopefully they have some needs for some water treatment and some other things that can be done. But man, if you see that things, you know, put in by us nine months ago on your way there, you're just, you know, you're a little bummed out. You might still get the water treatment and stuff, but you, uh, you're, you're much more excited to get to that call without sometimes without all of the information. And that's exactly what I was talking about. There's plenty of scenarios why I have done that. And I would just put in the page leaking water either. And I'm telling you, Nate, I would wait till the technician got to the house and I would give them the rest of the information. Uh, Kevin, I'm, I'm curious, you know, throughout the day, inevitably, you're going to come across some pretty stressful situations. Give us some examples of the things that stressed you out as a dispatcher and what you did to overcome them. Uh, well, obviously, number one was, you know, not having enough calls. <laughs> like, that's one thing nobody wants to see when they come into work. You know, one of those things I did to correct that problem, like I said, and it's worked in the future, is able to sit down with the customer service rep excuse me, customer service manager and develop a plan to where it's like, okay, every day I need the customer service representative to book X amount of maintenance calls. You know, let's change this approach where we only call to book calls when we need them. No, this is what we're going to do every day, Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday. I'm going to need your department to book X amount of maintenance calls. That way we have enough calls on the board. So if you figure you put I don't know, 60% of the calls on the board maintenance calls, I'm pretty sure the other 40% will make up an incoming call. And ever since we implemented that program, it's worked out great. Now, there's two sides to that coin, too. You could have a situation, doesn't happen too often, where you have so many calls, but not enough technicians. Right. doesn't happen that often, but it does happen. And from that standpoint, you just have to basically go through every single call and try to figure out, okay, which call is probably the least important that maybe you can probably push a reschedule on. There's been times where I've had to do that. You'll call a customer and like, sir, ma'am, depending on what the nature is, you know, I have a situation where I have a couple of technicians that are probably stuck on jobs and they're going to be there three, four, five, six hours. 
I can see right now we have you on the schedule for a four to six appointment this evening. I can tell right now at nine o'clock, it's probably going to be a challenge of getting there. That's why I want to call you as soon as possible. If there's any way that I can do this tomorrow, probably another day this week. Matter of fact, for that inconvenience, I'll go ahead and waive that service fee for the technician to come out there. and It'll be a no cost, no obligation to visit for you. But once again, I'm calling you right now, eight hours ahead of time, to let you know I can see that I'm going to incur a challenge of me getting out there so there's any way possible you can go. That's what I try to tell the dispatchers when you're running to a challenge like that. Once again, it's your job. You're the air traffic controller. You're looking at the board. You should be able to tell at 9 o'clock in the morning whether you're going to be able to get that call at 2 in the afternoon. That, that, you should be able to notice. I love that air traffic controller analogy. Uh, where you're really just you're you're directing not only the traffic but you're also making sure that we don't have accidents and that you know everybody gets to where they need to go. That's good stuff. All right, Kevin. So, in looking back to the technicians, when you think of yourself as that coach, are you looking at yourself as coaching them on the opportunities that they're going to come across on a specific call? Are you look, looking at that from a, a how to have a certain conversation with a client? Are you looking at that from a, hey, don't forget, you know, last time you you didn't talk about XYZ product and this could be a good a good fit for that. What what was that coaching? Where, where did you find yourself bringing in your expertise? You said you had a sales background yourself. So did you find that playing into your role in, in that coaching with the technicians or what did that look like? Um, not so much with the technicians, more so with the customer service reps uh, the technicians. For the most part, they were, you know, the ones that were pretty good at wanting to know what they were saying. I didn't need to add anything with that. My coaching on that more set was more or less, you know, your, 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 you know, your mindset, your, your frame of mind, you know, making sure it was clear, making sure you're not worrying about what happened on the previous call because there's plenty of times where technicians will take that to the next call. And I have to remind them, like, look, okay, I know you went to that previous call and you went to do somebody's warranty work and you're pissed off because if you would have went to the call, it would have been done correctly. So you got to let that go. Okay, you're on the way to a leak, new opportunity. We actually been to the house before. We recommended this. The customer said they were going to think about it. They never called us back. You know, you might want to bring it up. You know, it was never more so for trying to get them, you know, as far as giving them help on their approach. It was more or less, like I said, making sure they had the correct mindset and also pointing out things we have done in the past or things that we could probably do if we went out there again. Like, for example, you know, we were talking to Brian. We were talking about the water that we had just installed where it was leaking, you know. A really good technician is going to be like, oh, man, what water is probably under warranty. However, I can more than likely go into this house and get this customer involved in something else. Whereas a uh, green tech probably just going to be thinking, all right, let me go in here and do this warranty swap out and move on to the next call. Right. And where did you find yourself in, in helping the person move from the mindset of, hey, let's warranty this thing and move on into the mindset of let's warranty this thing and see what else? by getting him to realize that look around look at this building like this is not mom and pop shop this is a corporation look at your other co-workers like there's opportunity out there to make revenue like once again you're in a home you're in a 2500 3500 square foot home there's plenty of opportunities in there for you to create other revenue whether you're looking at the pipes whether you're talking home filtration Sometimes you may have a conversation with that steady Eddie and ask him, what do you have in your house? You have a filtration system, right? You like it, right? You don't think that homeowner would like one of those filtration systems? You'd be surprised how many times they'd be like, you know what? I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Something as simple as that. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a good question to be asking. 
All right, so we're kind of bringing it in for a landing here, Kevin, and I want to talk about the end of the day as uh, that's another part where dispatch is going to be involved. What did the end of the day look like for you as you were kind of tapering out of calls and, and uh, you know, guys were finishing up? Did you kind of uh, give them any words of advice to wrap up things, you know, look at you guys who didn't have such great days and encourage them, hey, tomorrow's a new one, Go, you'll get it then. Uh, any type of special tactics or approaches that you took towards the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, if some guy didn't have one of the better days, I would definitely encourage him on that aspect because, you know, every, every day is different. Every call is different. So if you were one of those guys that weren't having a good day, more than likely I'd probably let you off early. You know, I mean, ain't no point you dying a slow death. You know, after about three bad calls, <laughs> I'm probably like, you know what? Once again, it happens. Sometimes we have bad days. You know what? Best thing to do, how about we just call it? You go home, have a drink. If you drink, we'll just relax. You know, we'll get it going again early tomorrow. It's no point in giving you more calls for you to get more zeros and more no's. That's just going to make you feel that much worse than you already feel. So sometimes as a good coach, once again, you got to be able to realize that, hey, your starting pitcher don't have it tonight. You got to take him out of the lineup, you know, once again. But you have to be able to realize that and have a conversation with that person as well. It's not you just getting on the phone and like, hey, Brian, you suck the damn sending you home. No, that's not how you want to word it. It's like, hey, man, you know, it is what it is. Beat sometimes it happens. It's not your day, man, but we know you killed it. You killed it before in the past. But how about we just call it today, man? Because I know you ain't feel it. More than likely, it's going to be like, yeah, it's probably rough. Yeah, I understand it happens, but we're going to get him tomorrow, right? They'll be like, yeah, damn straight, we're going to get him tomorrow. And you'd be surprised how many times, you know, technicians would, you know, actually appreciate me for doing things like that because they know. People know, you know, we know when you're not on. And you'd be surprised how many times people be like, man, I appreciate it. you letting me off, man. I went home. I cleared my head. I came back today, man, and I'm ready to get it. So it just depends. If somebody was having a good day, then, yeah, I'm going to give him some more calls later on that day. So it just depends on the situation and the technician I'm talking to at the time. We all <clears throat> we all like to say that there are no better calls than other calls, but I think we all, at least in the plumbing trade, know that the the 13-year-old you know, 40-gallon gas water heater that's pouring water out from the bottom of it in a home where the client has been doing business with us for 10 years is, is close to a lay down as we're going to get. Um, and we know there are certain calls, even probably certain last names and we won't, we don't have to bring any up, but <laughs> <laughs> one probably in particular that if you, if you send a tech to, we'll say the, the average is a lower on that, call uh making that tech and the company money than the the water heater now how do you determine and i i actually i do know the answer to this to some respect but how do you determine who you give um which call to at any certain point in time uh, that's easy i mean that's going to depend on the dispatcher and his rapport with the people that you're working with like i said a good dispatcher is going to know the ins and out of all his or her technicians and once you figure that out, then it's easy to make those determinations. I'm, I'm, that's just the best way I can explain it. You'll be able to identify, okay, I got this call. No, this call should go to Brian because I know Brian is going to do X, Y, Z. Okay, I got this call. This call should go to Mike because I know Mike's going to do that. Like I said, that's going to depend on your dispatcher and the relationship that your dispatcher has with the technicians and then being identified the technician's strengths and weaknesses. Who likes this? Who likes that? Who can I talk in the calls? Who can I talk out of call? 
they're going to have to figure <laughs> that out once they get that relationship going. And are you doing, do you do anything like, you know, maybe Nate's had a, had a, a rough run. It's been a day and a half of just uh, getting his head beat in and not making any money. And, and, you know, and you, you know, any tech worth anything is in his truck when he, when he goes over three or whatever, feeling like the whole shop is just looking at me right now. Like, you know, what's, yeah, this, well, we are. what's the screw up doing, you know, like he, even the, uh, the, the gal who comes in and cleans at night is looking at the schedule right now. This guy's terrible. Like, Why do you even keep him? I heard about it too. You that guy? Kevin's calling his family in new Orleans talking trash about me. <laughs> do you, do you ever do the, um, well, here we are with the 13-year-old water heater pouring water out of the bottom. Uh, you know, customer's been with us for 20 years. I'll give this I to him have, because he needs, a, he needs a win. He needs a W. I have. It just depends on that individual. Like, first off, well, let me stop right here. You know what? You, I'm dispatching you. I'm not going to wait for a day and a half. Like, that's too long for you to have, a, like, a bad streak. I've been and had a conversation with you before I got that far. But anyway, let's just say it on the receiving end of that call. Let's just say it happens to extend that far. If you're a really good person, and like what I mean by a good person, meaning like you show up and you're giving it 100%, and I know you're giving it 100%, is this not going your way? Then, yeah, I'm going to show you that bone. But if I know you're not giving it 100% and there's still some improvement you could be doing to make that, you know, sway in your way, then no, I'm not, because I'm going to be like, well, yeah, you've been having a day and a half of bad stuff that didn't go your way, but if you would have did maybe A, B, C, D instead of F, G, I, then it probably would have happened. But like I said, if you're somebody like Nate, stand-up guy, you know, expects his wife, chick splash and walks off, I know Nate does well. Nate means well. He's just, you know, he's in a rough spot right now. So I'm going to show it to Nate because I know Nate's a cool guy. But somebody else who ain't giving it all, no, I'm not. Why should I? Why, why, why should I reward you for not doing what you're supposed to do? No, I'm not. I appreciate that, buddy. We pretty much got to tell the story now. I don't know how we get, our, get around it. See how I, I slid that in? <laughs> All right, Nate, I'll make up a story about how good of a guy I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should ask Kevin about some of that, uh, the dirty secrets of Brian and the plumbing. <laughs> you there? <laughs> well, you know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, Kevin, I, I'm sure that some of the things that um, you focused on in, in dispatching and interacting with the technicians have been very rewarding. What do you look back on as your time uh, in in that role, and what have you found to be the most fulfilling part of it? I, I'll be honest with you. I'll say the relationship with the technicians, um, watching them grow and do well, people like Brian, people like Joey, just watching them grow because, you know, I think, I, you know, I, I played a part in that. I would like to say, would it be uh, 0.2%? That's fine. I would just like to think I played a role in that because at the end of the day, I'm always trying to, you know, help people maximize whatever it is that they're here for. Like, okay, you came here to be a plumber, right? So look at it like this. Whatever you're trying to do, why wouldn't you be the best at it? I don't care if you was, your job was to be on the side of the road picking up trash. Okay, well, I'm going to be the best side of the road trash picker up there is. I don't care. If I'm a window washer, I'm going to be the best window washer it is. Whatever you're doing, why not be the best at it? Otherwise, why are you doing it? Hmm. Love it. 
All right, Kev, that's all we got for you today, man. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. It was so good to be hearing from you. You have such a refreshing perspective and uplifting, optimistic view on not only the home services industry, but how your impact upon people in the field on a daily basis can make such a big difference. Oh, anytime, guys. I appreciate it. I, I feel like a celebrity now. Can't wait to tell people, hey, I was on the podcast. Yeah, buddy. Also, when you tell them, also tell them to subscribe, set up auto downloads, and go ahead and hit us with a five-star rating. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm going to tell them all that. I'm like, subscribe, man. All right? People respect my opinion. I want to hear what I had to say. They ain't want to hear you, did they? They don't hear you on no podcast. Yeah, awesome. we, uh, we look forward to bringing you back on and making you a regular on the show, if that's all right with you, buddy. Uh, anytime, guys. Anytime. Great. Thanks so much again, Kev. Yeah, Appreciate we'll, you. We'll have to eventually uh, incorporate a happy hour podcast, man. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> we'll have to do one of these from, uh, what was that, Green Valley Ranch Sportsbook last time we hung out? Oh, uh, yeah. Sportsbook's always nice. That's yeah. the office. That'll Week be yeah, on, a, on another college football Saturday. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Beers and hot dogs, buddy. Yep. <laughs> for for those who don't live in Vegas, if you put a five dollar bet on a on a parlay card that lasts five college football games, you drink beer and eat hot dogs for free the entire day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what we did. <laughs> you come out bent. <laughs> but it's fun though, man. You gotta experience it at least once in your life, man. You don't do nothing else. Yeah, for sure. We gotta get Nate on that. Awesome, Kev. Hey, we appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks so much, man. All right, guys. Not a problem, man. Y'all have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the show today with Kevin Oliver. It was awesome to hear some of his advice and perspective on dispatching and so much more. I think the show was really insightful, not only for those of you who are in the office dealing with customer service or dispatching issues, but also for those of you in the field listening uh, to how really effective dispatching and the interaction, the, the back and forth between the field and the office can make for such a big difference in not only the outcome of your day, but really the outcome of the team. I love that mentality that if the team doesn't win, nobody's winning. And so he brought such, Kevin brought such a good perspective on that. Really appreciated the words. Uh, so for those of you who are out there looking to make yourself better, uh, Make sure you listen to this one again, and there's some really good stuff in here about how to keep yourself in the right mindset. For those of you who are in charge of dispatching, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for what you do day in and day out. I know it's easy to go overlooked and underappreciated in that role, and we thank you for the roles that you have in dispatching and making sure that we get to our calls on time and in keeping us encouraged and communicated with throughout the day. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing that well. And listen to this episode for some really good advice to how to do it even better. We leave you here with this as we do every single time to challenge yourself to become better, to challenge yourself to find that next level, to move up, to keep becoming the better version of yourself and to choose each morning to wake up and waste no day. 